following audio is from Covenant Life Fellowship. For more information about our church and to stay up to date on all sermons, events, and news, please visit our website at www.clfroseburg.com. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Um, we, we heard that uh, Roseburg Christian Fellowship is also celebrating their anniversary today. It's 40 years for those guys. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we're... We're on our 20th. You know, I, I've thought long and hard about what to do today. Um, I've had a goal all week. I even have it in my sermon planning. If you guys know me, I plan sermons out in advance. And uh, the goal was I was going to connect our 20th anniversary to uh, the series on the Great Commission. And it's just been impossible for me to do that. Um, and the, re- the reason is, and just quite honestly, is I have no idea what to say. <laughs> I really don't. Um, so this isn't going to be a normal sermon. Uh, if you guys were looking forward to me breaking out a passage of scripture and dissecting that and showing you, you know, what God might say, this will be a little bit different. I've, I've been holding back tears since I first saw that video on Friday, um, just because of the people that that video represent. They represent the dearest people on earth to me and my family. Um, the church, this church. Um, some of the people in that video were at our church at the very beginning. Um, Clarence and Rachel Keller, who were in that video, they were in their second year of marriage. They didn't have any kids yet. Uh, Micah Heard, um, along with my daughter Hannah, who was not on the video, Micah was five years old when, that, when the church started. And Bill, Mike, and I were a lot younger. We'll just say that, right? <laughs> a lot younger. Um, I did some math this week, and I think this will help you see what God is doing in the church. It really is beyond something that we can even imagine. So there are 27 of you who are members that joined our church in the first five years, that you're still with us. There are 17 more of you who joined in years 6 through 10 that are still with us. There are 89 of you who are members that joined in years 11 through 15. And I just want you to listen to this number. In years 16 through 20, the last five years of our church, 232 of you have joined our church. That means 64% of the membership in our church are people who have come to CLF in the last five years. So your connection with 2003... It's, it's so hard to even imagine, right? And one of the things that we have been finding as we've gone through this period in our church history has been that we are losing a little bit of our culture and our history just simply because we have so many new people. And so we're doing a lot of catch-up, a lot of explaining, right? I am literally stunned by these numbers. So what this means when you look at all of it together, that right now currently at CLF, there are 365 adults who are members of our church, and that number adds out to be approximately, if you know me well enough, you know that we're really close on this, 547 adults and children who call CLF their home. Now, for a guy who remembers meeting with a group of people on 2007, 2003, and there was about 40 of us in the room, uh, this is stunning to us. Uh, It really is. Uh, We are... I know I'm stunned because, quite honestly, I really didn't think CLF would get bigger than 250 people. 
Um, we, you know, I thought we'd be fine at that number and we could kind of figure it out, but we just literally cannot stop the growth of what God is doing. He's just continuing to add to our number week after week. And God has done something that, just to be honest with you, I just simply cannot explain. I, I, uh, in my early years of ministry, I'll talk more about this in a moment, but my early years of ministry, I told pastors and friends of mine that I wanted to be a part of something that literally we could not say, look what we have done. That all we could say is, look what God's done. I wanted to have a church and be a part of a group of people that you just walked away going, this is God's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. Um, I'm also stunned, and I say this with all sincerity, is I know what you hear from this pulpit week in and week out. And, And I do say this with all sincerity. I cannot believe you keep coming back. And I know many of you laugh, you, but if you're at my home on virtually every Saturday evening, you will hear me groaning to my wife about how terrible the manuscript is that I have planned, and I have no idea how God is going to meet his people, and I just pray to God that I would not get in the way of God meeting his people because of how bad this manuscript is that I really have. You have, you have listened to some really bad sermons in this church, and, I, and I'm being honest, and you're still here. I've also preached some really hard and challenging sermons, and you keep coming. Uh, we kind of desire to never ignore any hard thing in the Bible, um, as evidenced by our Thursday night class on election, um, as evidenced by our class this weekend on the gospel and addictions. And I'm just amazed. You just keep coming. You're hungry for more. Uh, you've heard me and others confess sin from the front. Be as transparent as we can about our lives so that you know that we don't think that we're in a ivory tower, that we are people that walk alongside you and live life with you. And yet you invite your friends. Like, hey, come and see the pastor that's telling us about his sin. You know what I mean? It's really weird. Um, I mean, we're just stunned. Um, I think of families that in the beginning, like James and Sherry Ellis, they, they drove, and they still have for 20 years, they have driven over 45 minutes one way to be in this church. I think of Hap and Tammy Bedell, who were on the video, that when we started the church, they lived in Elkton, and they drove faithfully every week to come to our church um, because they believed that God was doing something in here. Some of you have been in this church since I was in my mid-30s. I can remember vividly when I called my pastor back home to ask him, should I start a church? And if you know much of my history, you'll know there's some other odd things going on. Not only was I beginning a new church, but I was also taking over the superintendent role at Umco Valley Christian School, so I started the church the same month that I became the superintendent at UBC. And I remember calling him and I said to him, what do you think about me doing this stuff? I mean, it seems like an awful lot. And he just said, well, how old are you? I said, well, I'm 33. He said, yeah, it's about time for you to be a pastor because Jesus was 33 when he was crucified as well. (laughs) See why I needed an older man to walk alongside me. And some of you were here in those early days, and I just, I really, I cannot thank you enough for your patience and your support. Um, You have labored alongside me with long-suffering. You have labored through my arrogance and my selfish ambition, and you have, you've been friends. You have handled me with incredible grace. I mean, I just can't imagine. Some of you have been here in our church through our middle years, and you've come through the changes. You know, you're the ones that basically went through the changes of buildings, 
you know, adding new people to our, our pastoral team, changes in our eldership, and you're still here. Um, you've been flexible. Um, you've labored through some of the challenges that we've faced, and you've been incredibly patient. And then some of you have come in the last five years, and you're experiencing something that I, I don't know how else to explain it except this way. We're Right now at CLF, we're a lot like that preteen young boy who his legs and arms have grown faster than the rest of his body. And he just moves around like a baby giraffe, right? That's what it feels like right now at CLF. We're just kind of figuring it out as we're going. And there's not a week that goes by that somebody says, now what, what are we doing here again? And, and you've been, you've stayed. You have just labored with us. You've been with us. And we just, we just say thank you. We can't, we can't thank you enough. We're, we're humbled that you would stick with us. We're, we realize, um, you know, when a buddy of mine, some of you know Dane and Casey Tornell, they came in 2011. Uh, Sicily is on the video. And I remember talking to Dane. He was moving to the area. And Dane says, hey, I want to, we're coming to your church, man. I've been listening to all your sermons. 2011 was at the end of a really hard spell for us. And we're coming, man. We just believe God's at work in your church. And, and I looked at him and I said, no, you don't want to come to my church, dude. You want to go to Redeemers. They kind of got their stuff together. And Dane says, no, I've been listening to you preach the gospel. I've listened to every one of your sermons, and, I'm, and we're coming. And that's how we feel. I, I literally look at what God is doing, and I go, I don't know how God is doing what he's doing. And so words cannot express our gratitude about, his, about you and about God's grace among us. Um, this church is remarkably dear to my family. Um... You know, our kids have all come to faith in Christ in this church. And I've had the privilege of baptizing them in this church. I, I have been a part of many of you coming to faith and, and as well, you growing in grace in this church. Some of you, I taught you in Bible class before CLF was ever in existence. And you've been with me since you were in junior high. Uh, that's just crazy to me. I've, I've performed weddings and funerals of the sweetest people on earth. Um, we have hurt together in life's hardships, and we have rejoiced together in God's goodness. I mean, really, our, our dearest friends are in this church. Um, if you know much about the training of pastors, they basically tell you something interesting. They tell you never to make good friends with people in your church. That's what they tell you, and they tell you that on purpose, because if you make good friends with people in your church, they're going to eventually stab you in the back, and they're going to hurt you, because they're going to know the details of your life, and you're going to give over to them things about your life that are that nobody really knows but the Lord. And many of you in this church have been friends who have encouraged us. You have confronted us. And you have hung out with us. You've been people who treat us with the grace of Christ. And you've been true partners in the gospel. And we just we just can't say thank you enough. Our kids' dearest friends are in this church. I mean, they, they've grown up here. And they are, they're still growing up here. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Lord willing, this coming February... Um, our first grandchild will be in this church. Um, and Hannah and Grant are expecting a baby boy, so we are thrilled. And there'll be a day when um, I'll be able to dedicate that young guy to the Lord in this church to ask you to partner with us as grandparents. And what I know about you is you will. Because I've seen you do it with my family. 
Um, being in a pastor's family is uh, can be really challenging. Uh, before we started CLF, and I was asked to do it, I told the pastor, Scott Walker, who asked me to think about this, I said to him, listen, I would never wish being a pastor on my worst enemy. The idea of being a pastor is just terrifying because you're put up in this display that is, uh, is, is just, it's, it's unbiblical for one. And number two, it's, it's no way, you're no way you can pass the test. People treat you weird. Uh, they can treat your kids even weirder. <laughs> People have crazy expectations for their pastor, his wife, and their family. And, but this church, and if you're new with us, just so you know, this church has done nothing but treat us like one of their own. And they have never made us out to be something that we're not. You have allowed my family a safe place to worship and develop lifelong friendships. And quite honestly, you just let us be us. Um, if you know me very well, you're going to know a few things. I would rather wear shorts and a t-shirt and, and tennis shoes every day of my life. I don't dress the part. I don't talk the part. I just, what you see is what you get. And you've allowed me to be that. And you've allowed our family to be that. We don't have to put on a show for you. And because of that, we're incredibly grateful. Um, This week, I wrote my family a note. um, Because I wanted them to understand something. That the church is going to be honored this week. Their dad is going to be honored this week. But what goes hidden is the family that gives their fam, their, their dad and mom away to the gospel. And, um, these kids and their mother have given me over to the gospel and to Christ like nothing I've ever experienced or seen. Um, there have been nights when dad has been distracted by trouble. There have been challenges that I have had to navigate through. There's been emergencies I've been called into when we're having family engagements and my kids have just said, go, man, you got to go. And they have given. And I wanted them to know that next to this, that, you know, they, they, are, they are primary in my eyes and the people that I want to be honored the most because of their gift. And so you guys... I love you, and I thank God for you. Anybody know where Nathan is? Oh, hi, bud. Okay. I love you too, man. Yeah. (laughs) Caleb is homesick today watching, so... Um, There there really are no words to express my gratitude. Um... The writer of Hebrews said something that I want to remind you of, and it's not the first part, it's the second. He wrote, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who would give an account. Don't freak out. Notice the next. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I want you to notice the last part. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I, I do not know how to express the joy that I feel in our church. I just, I don't know how to express it. Um, there is simply joy. There, there is, I can tell you, when you go to an elder meeting, there is no groaning. 
there is amazement. And we thank God for you. You, you really are the dearest place on earth to us. And uh, some of you have noticed recently that I've been out a lot more than normal. Some of you have, have expressed some trepidation. Like, you know, I can tell what's happening. Denominations always take away the good guys. And I'm, listen, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> this, is, this is my home church. This is my home turf. Um, I told the Sovereign Grace guys when I planted CLF, by God's grace, I'm going to die at CLF. They're going to, I'm going to, they're going to bury me in the back 40 of the church, wherever that may be, right? <laughs> right? When I, when I look back over the last 20 years, there, there are just a few key things that I want you to understand that we've tried to do. Um, and I just want to wrap your mind biblically around some of those ideas. The first one was our call to worship this morning. You've heard it mentioned a few times, but Psalm 15, 115 verse 1 just states this, Not to us, O Lord, but not to us, but to your great name, to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We have desired I, to just honor and glorify God. We, When we started CLF, really in the mindset, and this is just in my DNA, I don't know why God put this in my heart, but the idea of being faithful to God over the long haul meant success, not the size of your congregation or the amount of your converts. I, I just always have had this. I, there's, my wife affectionately calls me Mr. Steady Faithful. And her reason for that is I get up at the same time. I do the same things. I have the same routines. I don't like change. I just plod and stick my nose to the ground and do what I'm supposed to be doing before the Lord, trying to honor God because I believe faithfulness matters more than fruitfulness. We believe that faithfulness over the long haul would lead to fruitfulness as God designed. This is why you've heard us say so often, if you've been here long enough, that God is the most important person in the meeting to us. It's not you. We love you, but you are not nearly as important to us as God. So from how we greet one another to how we preach the gospel to the songs that we sing, our goal has been, God, we want you to be on display because we as a church are not free to make up our own game plan. The pastors and leaders are not free to just be creative with their own little agendas outside of God's agenda because the church is Christ's bride and it exists for Christ's glory. And so we have been burdened about that from the beginning and building a church for god's glory means that in everything that we try to do we want to care for people we want to care for them well we want to we want to handle conflict well to how we share the gospel is all trying to be compelled by the love of christ that we see on display at the gospel and submitted to the authority of god's word we wanted to really build a church honestly that when we step back from it all we just could see god's handprint over all of it um, I, I, I know people have other opinions of how they think I am as a leader and what they think I might do or don't do. You can ask my staff. I think my staff would rise up and say this. I am the worst micromanager that they've ever been around. I do not dabble in their work because I believe God has gifted people to go do work. And he's using people to go do work. But he does that because God gets glory when more people are doing more work. And... And we just have tried to say, listen, we want God's handprints to be all over this. We do not want our leaders' handprints or our people's handprints. We want to build a church and just step back and say, look what God has done. 
We wanted to build a church that was, that was solely dependent on the power of God to do what only God could do to be glorified. And so we've desired to glorify God in all that we've done. This, this means that we haven't done it perfectly. There have been some dark times in our church. If you've been here from the beginning, you know those times. There have been moments that we've made missteps. But God, in His kindness, has continued to build His church and what God has done in 20 years is evidenced by what God is doing, doing today. The fruit of this seems to be a group of people who long for God's glory and want to submit to Him and what they do. And a church that isn't, which I love, is not hung up on the size of the crowd. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for how you are so flexible. It's like, all right, hey, this is the place we're going. Just, we've got to fit more people and just see what God's up. Make more seats. And we're deeply passionate to be faithful to God. That's just who we are. We want God to be faithful, be glorified by our faithfulness. But to be a faithful church that glorifies God, we have believed something else, that God's people should be equipped and prepared to worship Jesus and serve Jesus. Um, we, we are strongly convinced that the gathering of the believers on a Sunday morning, that when we teach on a Sunday morning, it is directed to the saints. We're not directing it per se to the non-believer who may be in the crowd. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we're certainly glad that you're here and you're going to hear the gospel from us and hear how you can repent. But our focus is on the Christian who is in the world and living in the world because we have a, we have a passion for it. And you'll notice a text that has driven this is in Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul wrote about the gifts that, of leaders that Christ gave to his church. Notice these leaders were to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now you can see here the job description that the ascended Christ has given to his leaders of the church. It's a job. His job description is, hey, I've gifted you and given you to the church to equip the saints for ministry. He didn't say simply to evangelize the lost, that's part of it, but to equip the saints so they know how to evangelize the lost. That's why the teaching gift is so important to leaders and elders and pastors in the church because they must teach God's word and equip God's people with God's word so they're, they're able to go do ministry. You're going to notice something else that the leader's job is to, is to equip and prepare the saints, those for whom Christ died. See, there are many things that we do as pastors and leaders, but standing above them all is to prepare and equip you to serve and worship Jesus in the world that you live in. Right? One thing I love about this church is this church gives me to study. They give me to prepare. They give me time to think through what we're doing in the teaching diet of this church because they understand our job. Our job is to equip the saints for, and you'll notice, the work of ministry. We're going to talk more about this in our Great Commission series, but you're going to see that every person, every one of us who claims the name of Jesus is gifted and called by God to represent Christ in this world. Every one of us. That job is not left alone to the church's leaders, but is given to the entire church. See, one of the dreams when we started CLF back in 2003 was that every member of the church would care for one another. Every member of the church would see themselves as a minister of the gospel. 
I remember vividly dreaming when I would go into my coffee, affectionately known as CLF West, I would go into my coffee and I would just dream of the day when our people were coming in and out of my coffee with their Bibles open and with the gospel in their mouth and on their lips talking to people about Christ. And I've literally seen that dream come to reality. As I've walked through, you name the coffee shop in our town, or you name the restaurant or the, the meeting place to find our people gathered with somebody over God's Word. So what we try to do each and every Sunday is just simply teach you the saints. From God's Word, with the whole counsel of God, we've done this publicly, we've done it in group settings, we've done it in one-on-one discipleship meetings, through the entire counsel of God, so that you can, you can be ready to meet the world with the gospel of Christ. That's, that's a passion. It's why we've offered conferences like we just had this weekend with, with Justin Lockemacher, who's here with us this morning, who did a fantastic job on the gospel and addictions. That's what we're, that's why we do what we do is because at the front end is to equip people to be ready with the gospel. Now the fruit of this is, it's stunning. It's men like Isaac Wastafaro and Caleb Fink in the gym, working out, sharing the gospel with a guy who's asking them questions about the gospel. It's guys in the trades like Dan Reeves and Dustin Furt serving guys at our weekly Bible meetings, but then pursuing as well gospel opportunities as they build cabinets or they pour concrete. It's guys like Chris Guasafaro and others in the business world building relationships in the workplace as a great employee or a manager or a boss and praying and looking for opportunities for the gospel. It's ladies like Linda Behrens who has a passion for moms with babies meeting with those moms once a month and spending her month her month discipling and encouraging younger moms it's medical professionals which listen in our church is too many to count that literally i will hear from non-believing doctors about believing nurses who attend our church praying for those patients it's stunning it's the many moms in our church which again if you know our church lots of babies right and they're praying their kids into the kingdom of God, training their kids in godliness, and turning their kids' eyes to Jesus. It's teachers and school administrators serving at their schools throughout this county and representing Christ as they go. I talked to one of them this morning about his work down in Dace Creek. It's coaches who coach to share Jesus with kids. It's loggers who see their jobs as outreach. Friends, listen, that's why we've equipped you. That's why, when I step in the pulpit on a Sunday morning, the glory of God is primary, but equipping you to go out and meet your world is right, I mean, it's right secondary to the glory of God. It's why we've done what we've done. But we haven't just equipped you with just any teaching. We've tried to equip you with the whole counsel of God with the gospel of Christ right at the center. Paul wrote, This in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 5. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. And you'll notice something in that text, the primary importance of the Gospel. That means it's first. 
And you're going to notice something. This is in chapter 15 of a book where Paul has been rebuking them about all sorts of issues in their church. And he gets to the end and he says, I need to remind you of the most important thing. The gospel. Let Don't ever forget what the primary importance is. Week after week, all we've tried to do is just equip you to see the gospel on every page of Scripture. We've tried to just help you marvel at the glories of Calvary. And we've taught you the gospel like this for a few reasons. And one of them is, I don't want you to ever miss who the story, the, the true hero of the story is. My staff will tell you that when I watched the video this week, I shot them a text that I was very serious about. Is this too Dave York-centric? Because it really bothers me. And the reason I gave them that question is I am burdened that you understand the hero of this church is not our pastors or our leaders or even you. The hero of this church is Jesus. The best senior pastor in this church is Jesus. The goal has been so that we equip you with the gospel so that when your pastors are not able to be heard from or you can't call upon them, you know very clearly you've got a savior and a pastor who's with you every moment of every day. That the true story, the true hero is Jesus. It's not Michael Jordan, not Ronald Reagan. We want Jesus on display. We want to brag about his exploits way more than ours. But we also wanted to build a church that understood, listen, that every one of us are sinners in need of God's grace. And Christ is the only answer. This, this allows us to just properly posture our hearts and know who we are. See, what I am, to be honest with you, I am one beggar showing other beggars where the bread's at. And one day, and it's happened many days, those tables have to be flipped. And we've got to see ourselves appropriately. And that allows us then to be able to confess and openly acknowledge all the filthy, dirty sin in our hearts and never handle each other with guilt and shame. That's one of the things I've loved about this church is as I've confessed sin to you, I've tried to be transparent to so that you see that this does not mean the pastor is elevated and doesn't struggle with sin, but to see sin on display so that you can see, you know what, there's grace for that. So that you would be free to talk to your friends about the need for grace in your own soul. See, we taught you the centrality of the gospel so that you would know there is no other power on earth that promises forgiveness of sin and the ability to be made right with God and the power to be living a transformed life. Only Jesus can do that. That isn't going to come from the counsel you might get from us. The counsel is going to direct you to the power of God. And I've also done this. I mentioned in the video. I've taken my cues from Peter. I'm going to remind you and remind you, 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 because there is a day when I will not be standing behind this pulpit. I will be dead and gone, experiencing the wonders of Christ, and I want you to always remember Jesus Christ, full of glory, crucified for you, raised to life, seated at the right hand of God, and indwelling you so you can live out a victorious, godly Christian life. That's why. And the fruit of this has been absolutely stunning. 
We've watered and sown, but God has brought the increase. We have a church where people know and are amazed at what Christ has done for them. Our church is filled with people like that. We've a people who are not afraid to confess their sins to one another and help each other through life's challenges. Brothers and sisters regularly turn one another to Christ. We're honest and we're transparent. And listen, we also have a people who are not just willing to share the gospel, but are doing it all over the place. We got to ask a question one of our pastors did recently got made a comment of, well, at least I'm in a church that's doing something. Making a reference as if we aren't doing anything. And this guy laughed and said, that's because you don't see and know all that God is doing. We have people in our church who may not do it loudly, may never post it on social media, and may never stand in front of a business in our town who are sharing the gospel in their homes, in their schools, in their neighborhoods, and in restaurants. And let me tell you something, when I'm with them, they are eager with the gospel. See, we have equipped you like this because we believe that a church built on the gospel will serve and worship Jesus in their world. See, I I don't think that I have to tell you this is what you have to go do before the Lord. You know why? Because you're so in love with Christ and amazed at the gospel that you want to go do that. That he is motivating and changing your desires in your life to such a degree that you are leaving sin behind and you're pursuing the Savior. So tie Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 together. We believe that we equip you in the gospel and you, because of the power of God at work in, in you, will do the works of ministry that Jesus has called you to do in your neck of the world and you'll marvel and worship Jesus with your life and your lips. But there's one last thing that we've tried to do in this church, and it hasn't been easy, is that we've tried to love each other in community and try to do it really well. As I was writing this week's kind of musings, I was reminded that 10 years ago we also had a 10th anniversary, and it was the first Sunday that J.R. and Keisha Adams attended our church. They'd never been to our church before. They'd heard we were having a 10th anniversary, and they thought, I'm just going to go plop there and see kind of what's going on in this church and what's so cool about it. And they, Keisha approached me after the service, and I will never forget this comment, and I actually texted her about it this week. She said, I've never been in a church where the pastor loved the church this deeply and where the church loved the pastor this deeply. She said, this was like a experiencing a love relationship like I've never known or understood. They quickly became members of CLF, and they've been members ever since. A year or so before that, Dave and Tammy Rubel came to our church hurting. They'd gone through a very challenging church situation where they were at. On their first Sunday here, unbeknownst to these people, they were warmly greeted by Kai and Heather Bendel, who took them to dinner that evening, not knowing that Dave literally had to drag Tammy to church because she'd been so hurt the previous week. Dave and Tammy have said that the love that they felt that first Sunday captured them and has kept them here all these years. They were ready to sell their house and move to wherever their kids are, either in Seattle or now one of them is in Texas, and yet this church, through the love of Christ and love for them, kept them here. And listen, that's the story of many of you. Love captured you. See, when we started CLF 20 years ago, let's just be honest what we were. We were just a bunch of friends 
<clears throat> who loved Jesus, we loved each other, and we wanted other people to experience that same kind of love. We didn't know what we were doing. We just wanted to do that together. Our dream was literally a community of Christians who cared deeply for one another, like you saw in the New Testament church. <clears throat> we wanted others to just do life together with us in love for Christ, in love for one another. Love that goes beyond each other's failures. Love that extends grace to each other because we know that we can be really stupid. We're humans. Love that hurts when pain comes along. Love that genuinely rejoices when other people succeed. Love that was willing to give the shirt off our back if necessary. In a sense, we just wanted to do the one another's of the Bible really well. All we wanted to do was welcome each other just like Christ welcomed us. We wanted to love each other like we've been loved in Christ. We wanted to exhort one another to godliness. We wanted to encourage one another because we know that this world was hard to live in. We were willing to hold each other accountable where our, our walk did not match what was coming out of our lips. And this is why we've taught so often about how to deal with conflict well. Because if you're coming to church, you need to understand something. And if you've been here the last five years, I'll be honest... The last 10 years, you've experienced a blissful moment in the life of CLF. You've come in when you think to yourself, the church is built and established and doing really well, and it has been. But if you don't understand something about the life of church, churches usually go through a cycle. Glory, then suffering. Glory, then suffering. Glory, then suffering. So for 10 years, we've been through a season of glory. So what do you think I'm always trying to prepare you, prepare you for? The suffering. Trying to help you understand that there's going to come a day when somebody in this room is going to sin against you so deeply that you're literally going to look at them and say, I want to do nothing else than to harm you right now. And how do you work through that biblically? We have taught through this over and over and over again because we believe that love wins the day when Jesus Christ rules over our hearts. And the reason we've done it this way is because we believe what John 13:35 has taught us. By this we all we by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In 20 years as you can imagine there've been some really trying times. We have hurt deeply with one another. There are people on the screen that I looked at that are no longer on this earth. They've died. I did their funerals. We've had friends come and go, and let's be honest, it hurt. We've experienced some hard financial burdens with some of our people, and yet we've tried to do something well. We just try to love. In these 20 years, we have hurt one another. We have sinned against one another. Sometimes we've handled it very well. Sometimes we didn't. But one thing that was always kind of at this, the just back of our thinking was, love God and love others and love others the way God has loved you in Christ. And the fruit of this, to be honest with you, has been amazing. We are known in our community by God's grace for our love for Jesus and our love for one another. I can tell you that one of the concerns I have about the church growing in its size is I don't know some of y'all as well. And you don't know us as well. And we have a thing called corporate witness that we believe is in the Bible. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. 
And my fear is new people coming in not knowing our culture may not understand we've built a reputation to love God and love one another. And if you go into a business and you are blabbing your jibs over something that you're angry about not representing Christ, you're representing us. It's a big deal. And for all these years, we have faithfully tried to do this, and the evidence of it is when I walk into a business, I can go into my coffee, and I know the owner of that place, and she will tell me regularly, dude, your people are amazing. The way they love each other, the way they care for each other is remarkable. Just last week, I got a word of a new family that came to our church for the very first time, and one of our members told me when they left the building, their children were begging, can we please go to this church? And the family said, we've never experienced love like this. We see this evidence, don't we, in a guy like Bruce Wells, who needs to be on a hoverboard, going all over the place, just meeting people and greeting people. But you also see it in behind-the-scenes moments that nobody knows. When somebody's in the hospital or somebody needs something, you're finding meal trains being made, just secretly and privately, people going about doing those things, texts or phone calls or social media DMs just for the purpose of expressing, I love you, I'm thinking about you, I care for you. All we've tried to do is love God and love others. Love has really been the goal. Again, we've not done this perfectly. We've just tried to do all of this together in a community as a people, not just as individuals, Because we believe in the Christian life is not about us, per se, individually. It's about us, corporately, growing together in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and worshiping Him together and experiencing something together that we believe we can see in the Bible. In 20 years, here's what you have. CLF has existed to equip people to serve Jesus, worship Jesus, and love other people. That's all we've tried to do. Those three things have just matched up with who we are. Equip people to serve Jesus, worship Jesus, and love others. This has been how we've, how we tried to play our part in the Great Commission in the city of Roseburg. We just tried to faithfully plod, equipping our people with the Word of God, centered on the Gospel, to do what God has called them to do. Worship and serve Jesus and love other people. Now again, we haven't done this perfectly. But God has been so kind to us, hasn't he? I mean, hasn't he? I mean, look around you. Look what the Lord has done. Now, people have asked me, with the church growth and all the changes that are coming, does this change what we're trying to get done in this world? And my response is, you know, my wife would tell you, no, Mr. Steady Faithful, (laughs) we're just going to try to do the same old things over and over and over again, and just try to do them a little better. CLF exists to equip people to worship Jesus, serve Jesus, and love others. And we want to do all that together. As we move forward in the next 20 years, a couple of things you're going to notice about the church is, like I've said recently to some leaders, it's felt like we've been a thousand islands without making some connections together. And what you're starting to notice is we're trying to gear those islands all together to live underneath the same mission. The mission's the Great Commission. We would summarize it by CLF exists to equip people to serve Jesus, worship Jesus, and love other people. And we want to do all that together. So here, here's my, my heart in all of this. If I look at 20 years and I see this from the small group of people that God took us through all the little challenges, and I see what God's doing here. I don't know about you. I, I am amped for the next 20 years. Let's pray.
Father, we are mindful today that you are with us. And we're mindful today that as we've watered and sown, it's it's been imperfect. It's It's had its challenges, and yet you have brought the increase. And all we want to say is, not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to your great name be all the glory. Help us do the mission of this church better over the next 20 years. Help us to equip people to worship Jesus, serve Jesus, and love others, and to do it all in community for your glory. Whether that be a conference that we host, whether it be a small group meeting that we have, whether it be a student ministry that's getting kicked off, whether it be a children's ministry classroom. We want our people to worship Jesus, serve Jesus, and love others. And we want to do it together. Thank you for your kindness to us. We are indeed humbled. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been proudly given in response to cherishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to watch all our sermons online. For more information about Covenant Life Fellowship, visit us on the web at www.clfroseburg.com.